Good morning. God's been saying a lot to us this morning, a lot to take in. Uh, but we return to our series on Genesis. Um, Genesis chapter 4, we're on the story of Cain and Abel. Um, and you know, as has been preached, I, th- I know from previous weeks that although we're in Genesis, we see the gospel of God permeated throughout, throughout the Bible. And here, so clearly to me, is another gospel story. But let's begin in chapter 4 and verse 8. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's guardian? Then he said, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Let's just break there, shall we, for a second. A few months, well, not months, actually, a number of years ago now, I, uh, I was called to jury service. Has anybody been called to jury service? Yeah, uh, and it's quite a daunting thing. You know, we're in Chester um, Crown Court, um, and you go along for two weeks, you sit there, you drink coffee, you wait to see if you get called, and the usher, a good 200 or so jurors uh, into the courtroom, and you can feel the intensity particularly in a murder trial. You see the families, you see the witnesses gathered. And it's very daunting uh, to be sat there in amongst the gallery as one of the potential jurors. And I was in a number of cases where there were murder trials here in Chester, dreadful cases of murder um, that was committed. And I thought, oh, Lord, don't let me get on this one. You know, it was so daunting. Um, and I sat there for two weeks, and it comes to the last week, a couple of days before I was due to go away without being called. My name didn't get called because they take a, like a poll kind of thing. They, they draw lots to see who's to be called. And two days before the end of my two weeks of being uh, in the selection process, I was walking into Chester that morning, and I'd had a tough time in work, and I was feeling really tired physically tired, you know, and I thought, you know, I believe God's going to call me this morning to jury service. I really felt that. Um, And that that morning, they they called us up, and they were all gathered, and it's very frightening to think that this was a murder trial in Cheshire um, of a young, a woman in her 50s, um, and they called out the names, and the first name was called, and the second name was called, and it was my name. And I went and I went and sat in the juror's box. And this morning I want you to know that we're looking at the first murder trial that's recorded in history. This is a murder trial of Cain and Abel. And I want you to be careful how we judge Cain in this story. I want you to look as though you are one of these jurors sat in that box. It's quite done. And this man's life depends on my decision as a juror This is what my case was in Chester, Crown Court. And I thought, you'll have to convince me that this man is guilty. I'm not sure whether I trust sometimes the police might put cases together and they're not so thorough. But they were very thorough. Well, here we read in Genesis 4.18, that Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. 
And the Lord said, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. You know, this verse, this small section of scripture doesn't give us all the facts. It's difficult to make a judgment. We're not told about what went on beforehand. We have a little precursor, but in a murder trial, you find it set out like this. Here is the case for the prosecution. And the prosecution delivers his case for the fact that this guy is guilty. And then once he has drawn all his witnesses and he's looked at all the facts and he's presented them to the jury, it's then he rests his case. And then it's the case for the defense before the judgment. And here we see Cain clearly slays his brother. The case for the prosecution is he's guilty. He murdered his brother. But I want you to read with me in Romans 3, verse 10. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Together they have become useless. There is no one who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Viper's venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. In verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. And this morning I want to speak about wretched man, faithful God. Sin versus redemption. The here in this small passage is not just about a murder trial, but this is about the first murder, indeed, the first record of murder. But there's something more, I believe, that God is showing. And the prosecution would say he committed murder. Man was wretched. We are wretched. You've got to remember that since Adam's fall, sin came in to our lives. And we know nothing better. It said earlier on in 4 and verse 6, in Genesis 4 and verse 6, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you furious? And why are you downcast? If you do right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. You see, sin takes control and takes charge of our life when we don't master sin. When we don't master thoughts, which in Cain's sense, he was infuriated. He was infuriated, and the prosecution say he slew his brother. Some would say it was premeditated. Others said it was an accident. It was an accident. And so we move to the case for the defense. And in Luke eleven forty nine, 49, it says, it gives us an indication of broader, the broader facts. I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute, so that this generation may be held responsible for the blood of the prophets shed since the foundation of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, 
who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Moving to the defense of Cain here, it's saying, Abel was a prophet or an apostle. He was part of God's plan, maybe, for the continuance of what he had for mankind. He was, he was appointed of God. And there's more to this death. There's more to this murder or this manslaughter in the fact that this was a test that God had already pre-warned Cain. Why are you downcast? For he allowed sinful thoughts to harbor. And sin came on the sea and again, as it did to Eve in the garden, and said, as God really said, not to take of this apple. God's gospel is revealed to us in this section as he sheds light on man's inadequacy against sin, God's glorious fullness and his work of redemption towards us to deliver us, to deliver us from that sin. So if we look deeper into the evidence, if we look, there was more, there was a plan of God and Satan himself would sow the seed of hatred, of bad thoughts, harboring bad thoughts in Cain. So that he came and he says, let's go out into the field. I don't believe he meant to murder his brother. And many of the commentaries say the same. They say it was probably manslaughter. It was accidental. Although he was insolent to God. And he says, am I my brother's keeper? You really think I know where, where Abel is? And yet God knew, because God knows man's hearts. And he knew all along. He knew from the beginning, which is why he warned him to be careful of harboring sin. So this is more than just the murder trial. It's about sin and redemption. Wretched man versus a loving God, a faithful God. You know, when I was preparing this, I was thinking that this wretchedness, how wretched we can be sometimes. You know, we can be in the presence of God and at other times we can be far from God. We too can harbor thoughts which aren't healthy, which lead us to poor actions. And we can turn our backs on God through the business of life. But God loves us. He cares for us. And he shows us here. He wants to do a redeeming work in our life, which is complete. He knows that sin is powerful. He knows that it's deadly. But he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sin. And he was, his blood was shed so that once and for all we will not be slaves to sin. We do have power over sin as we live our lives obedient to Christ and we accept him into our life. So wretched man, but a faithful God. So be on your guard against your thoughts. I'm not accepted in this church. My boss doesn't like me. My work peers gossip against me. My wife, my husband doesn't love me anymore. Beware not to harbor bad thoughts which breed evil content. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-6. Since the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Master your thoughts. 
Master your thoughts. Take them in their early stages. If you have negative thoughts, beware. Sin is at the door crouching, wanting to take hold of you. He's been there since day one, since the early story of Genesis. Take charge of your thoughts. Bring them to the obedience of Christ. It's important that you do not allow bad thoughts to fester in your life. Oh, but what a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. You know, there's an in all our sins and griefs to bear. What a friend we have in Jesus. I'll use the right glasses, might help. There my wrong glasses. If you have these thoughts, think of this hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything, everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. You see, that hymnist knew something. Not to harbor bad thoughts. We will all have bad thoughts. We will all have relationships which break down. We will have friends that despise us. We're colleagues that don't do right by us. And we can harbor bad thoughts. And if we allow it to fester, it will only lead to our harm. You know, it says, bring it to God in prayer. Bring those thoughts to him. And he will keep you. He's a friend. He's a friend. Sadly, Cain is unable to master his sinful thoughts. And he allows them to fester, becoming more and more furious, leading to his, the murder or the death of his brother. Romans 7.23, where I see another law at work in my body, warring against the law of my mind and holding me captive to the law of sin that dwells within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind I serve the Lord, the law of God. But with my flesh I serve, serve the law of sin. You know, there is a war, there's a battle between our, for our thoughts, for our mind. There's a battle. It's important that you're aware of that battle. That this isn't just a story of the first murder in the Bible of Cain and Abel. And as the prosecution would say, he's guilty. His brother's dead. God knew his blood cried from the ground. But realize that we are wretched without Christ. Wretched. Wretched man. We all come from Adam. You know, I was doing my family tree. <laughs> Coming to my retirement, as I always said, I'll, I'll start my family tree when I get close to retirement. I'll have time to do something. And I got back to 1485, a Henry Taylor. <laughs> Didn't quite get back to Adam. <laughs> it's quite difficult. But in the tree, what's interesting is when you get into the 1500s, the surnames don't, aren't recorded as well because it was more about... Surnames only come in because of poll tax, believe it or not. 
the government realised it was a good way of tracking people, knowing where they were. Let's get them a surname that's unique, and we'll track them through the parish records. But prior to 1480, it's difficult because it was more about your, your job. You know, like Smith, I was a blacksmith or stonemason and mason and so on. So it's very difficult to go earlier. It's quite interesting. And if we look at the, the names given there to Cain and Abel, you know, it said that they were twins. Uh, if you read, there was one conception, two births. It didn't say she conceived twice. It said she conceived, and then later she gave birth to Abel. And Abel was vanity. His name stood for vanity. It was characteristic of the person, vanity. And Cain, it stood for substance, possession, a man of the ground who tilled the ground, who knew his stuff. You know, Cain sacrificed to God. He did it in his flesh. He didn't do it. We heard last week about Abel came in faith. And it was because faith, his, his sacrifice was, was received by God as the better sacrifice. And also, as we've just read there, that the blood of the apostles and the prophets that were slain from Abel till now, he was talking in the New Testament, indicates to me that there was a bigger picture here, that Satan saw to usurp God's plan of salvation yet again through the priesthood, which is what Abel would have been. And where was Cain? He was of the flesh. He tilled the ground. He was a man. Very able. Forgive the pun. <laughs> he buried Abel. So, so the defense there is to see that sin has a power over us. Sin has such a power. Cain slew his brother. Should we read further on? Back into Genesis. So now we come to the judgment. Verse 11. So now you are cursed with alienation from the ground that opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood you shed. If you work the land, it will never again give you its yield. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. But Cain answered the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. Since you are banishing me today from the soil, I must hide myself from your presence and become a restless wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord replied to him, In that case, whoever kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And he placed a mark on Cain, so that whoever would find him would not kill him. Then Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So here we have the judgment of God. You know, he's cursed with alienation from the ground, from his very trade. Alienation from God. We're saying about harboring bad thoughts and be careful where it leads. It leads to sin. It leads to alienation. Isolation. Banished from God's presence. Not knowing his touch. But here we see Cain actually admits he owns up. For me, I see repentance here in Cain. It says my sins, let me just get back to it, my punishment is too much. Word for punishment is my iniquity is too much. And he cries out to God, it's too great for me to bear. And you know, in Psalm 107.4, verse 8, all talks all about when we cry out to God. 
107.428, some wandered in the desolate wind world See, this is like where they could live. They were hungry and thirsty. Their spirits failed within them. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He rescued them from their distress. He led them by the right path to a city where they could live. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wonderful works for the human race. He has satisfied the thirsty and filled the hungry with good things. What a friend that we have in Jesus. Even in our sin, if we repent, if we cry out to God, he takes us and he guides us back to a city. You know, Cain, it's not the full story in this section here. There's more to come of Cain. We see that he does actually build a city. He marries a wife. You know, his son was Enoch. Enoch, who walked with God, was no more. He didn't die. I believe Cain repented in that sentence. When he says, Lord, my iniquity is too great. He realized, I am wretched, Lord. I am not so capable. I'm not so able to stand this, to go through life. I can't be so arrogant to do it without you, Lord. And God hears his cry. He hears his cries. It says in the Psalms there, he takes him out of this desolate place. You will see that in the weeks to come. So will God answer your cry if you, like Cain, have let sin rule over you, taken captive by bad thoughts, leading to bad deeds, and finally isolation and loneliness? God's word this morning is about sin and redemption, not just a murder trial. Sin and redemption. For some of you and maybe some who aren't here this morning under the sound of my voice, this word that we read today is all about God's faithfulness, his redemption plan for us. That Jesus would come, he would die, he would shed blood for us. That we would be rescued underneath from the power of sin over to Christ. And that's my message to this morning. It's the gospel message is that you are wretched without God, without Christ. You cannot do it in your own in your own abilities. You have to surrender yourself over to God. And if you've let yourself go, if you've let yourself come to a place where, you know what, I'm so negative. Now, I can argue this because I know, I know how it feels. I know how it feels. I've been there. Lord, I just can't do it anymore. Can't take it anymore. I'm sick to death of the unrighteousness around me. I'm sick to death of all that that goes on around me. As was prayed earlier, this country, Lord, it just saddens me so much that this country is so far over removed from God. But God is a faithful friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. He's there, you know. He's there. He's there for our nation. And there'll come a time where they will turn again and, and cry unto him. But if you do cry unto God in your place that you're in, he will and he is faithful to answer you. So quickly to summarize, sin crouching, evil desires to test each and every one of us. Satan wants to destroy God's plan over your life. But God is faithful. God remains loving and faithful despite Cain's sin. He covenants to cover Cain in his loving kindness. He also reaches out to you and me. In the New Testament, it's said that God put his name or seal on those whom he forgives. 
Romans 4.11, the seal of God is now the spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Sinful thoughts left unchallenged lead to isolation, but there is still a way out for those who call on the name of the Lord. God's word to some of you today is call upon the name of the Lord and he will lead you out of your lonely isolation. You know, God really spoke this to me in, on my heart before preparing this message that there are those here who are lonely and isolated and your answer is to call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon him as we read in Psalm 107. He will lead you to a city, to a place of fellowship to the city of God, to his people, if you call on him. Repent from your dead works. Master your thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10. Since the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Unmanaged thoughts bring forth death. James 1.13. Each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully growing, grown, it gives birth to death. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. Redemption is promised even for the sinner. Romans 3.10, there is no one righteous, not even one. God's redeeming love is the only reason for our justification, not our works. Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. See the redeeming work that God does for Cain in his judgment. Yes, he banishes him. He sets him off, but he places his mark and his covenant over him. He covenants with Cain to protect him, to put his mark over him. And he would covenant with each of us, his Holy Spirit being our seal, our protection. He's a faithful God. Let's just pray. <coughs> Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, we just want to be obedient to you. Lord, we want to know your presence, Lord, in our lives, daily, Lord. We want to cry out to you, not cry out about our situation to others, Lord, but to cry out to you, to bring everything to you in prayer, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your word would bear fruit this morning. Lord, that we become stronger. We'd be better, Lord, for it, Lord, that we would realize our own wretchedness Lord, is not the way, Lord, for moving in you. But as we bury ourselves in Christ, as we receive that sacrifice, Lord, the blood that was shed on that cross, Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you you've made provision. You've brought redemption, Lord, for our sin. In Jesus' name we thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.